to welcome everybody uh, this weekend. Uh, for those of you who maybe don't realize, we are uh, First Church. We are one church in three locations. So um, over at Benton Heights in Benton Harbor, uh, we have a campus that uh, many weeks joins us by video. Uh, this particular week, we have our campus over in Stevensville that's uh, joining us. And so I want to give a little shout out to our Stevensville campus. We're glad to have uh, you guys with us uh, this weekend. Take your Bible, if you would, and we're in a series called The Jesus I Wish You Knew, and uh, we're looking at the I Am statements about uh, what Jesus made about himself from John, uh, from the book of John, and so this weekend we're actually looking at the 10th chapter of the book of John, and if you're going to kind of understand uh, who Jesus is, it's probably best to understand or to get that from, you know, what did Jesus say uh, about himself, and there's no better place uh, than Jesus. We live in a world that has a lot of different ideas about who Jesus is, a lot of skewed views about who Jesus is. Muslims in the Quran see uh, Jesus as the son of Mary, the messenger of Allah, a messenger, but certainly not the son of God, certainly not Savior. The Dalai Lama looks at Jesus and says of Jesus that uh, he certainly lived uh, previous lives, that uh, he had, he'd reached a, a higher level of enlightenment, uh, and he, he brought a core message of how to uh, be a better human being. That's what the Dalai Lama said about uh, Jesus. Richard Dawkins, the uh, famous atheist, in an interview about Jesus said, Nobody not brought up in faith could reach any verdict, talking about Jesus, other than barking mad. It matters what we think about Jesus. It matters what we believe about Jesus. Because what we believe about Jesus impacts our life now and impacts our life for all of eternity. So again, the title that uh, we've been looking at is The Jesus I Wish uh, You Knew. Not the Jesus according to the Quran, not the Jesus according to the Dalai Lama, not Jesus according to the vitriolic, self-proclaimed atheist Richard Dawkins. The Jesus that I wish you knew is the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus that, that wanted us to understand him. In fact, he said some things that help us to understand him. The best source as we think about the Jesus I wish you knew are the words of Jesus. What did he say about himself? What did he want us to know about himself? And so we've been looking at the book of John and these, at these I am statements of Jesus. And so here we have it in the 10th chapter of the book of John. Uh, this very important dialogue where Jesus gives some tremendous insights about himself. Um, now, he does something in this passage that... Uh, um, something that speakers and writers tell us that we shouldn't do, uh, and that's to mix metaphors. Um, here's a great example of mixing metaphors when you talk or speak. This is a great example. Uh, keep your eye on the ball, keep your ear to the ground, keep your nose to the grindstone, your shoulder to the wheel, and you'll go far in life. Now, it's hard to do all at once. That's an example of mixing a metaphor. Jesus, in the 10th chapter of the book of John, does the unthinkable for the grammar police, and he mixes his metaphors. That's just yet another reason to love Jesus, that he doesn't care what the grammar police say. Um, 
Because I didn't do very well in grammar, and so I love Jesus for yet another reason. Um, I mean, who made up the rules anyway? I mean, what's a, uh, you think about the, you know, don't start a sentence with a conjunction, don't end a sentence with a preposition, don't split your infinitives. What is, does anybody even know what an infinitive is? I mean, I, I don't know. But anyway, um, Jesus broke the rules, makes the grammar police mad. Listen and see if you can pick out the mixed metaphors that he uses in this John, the 10th chapter, as he talks about himself, as he uses the I am statements. There's two that we're going to look at this weekend. Truly, truly, I say to you, if he does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. Then he's brought out all his own. He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his name or they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them they, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. And he will go in and out and find and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, steal, to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then Jesus says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. So did you catch the two metaphors? Did you catch the mixing of metaphors? Jesus says, I am the door. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Now, if, you, if we go and just kind of get some, some help from what Jesus has to say, and we look back at what, uh, how he kind of starts off with, notice in verse 1 that he says, truly, truly. Some of your Bibles have the translation that says, I tell you the truth. What Jesus is saying there, it's just a, a kind of way to get their attention. They would have understood that when someone says that in the Greek, the original language, that they're trying to get your attention, they're about to say something really important when they say, truly, truly, I tell you the truth. And then they would tell you the truth. They would tell you something that was extremely important. And so let's, as we think about something extremely important that Jesus wanted us to know about himself, let's make sure that we kind of get, because none of us are really shepherds, so let's kind of get, make sure that we understand uh, some things about sheep and shepherds. A uh, little fun fact, sheep are the most often uh, seen animal in the Bible. Um, you know how many times cats are found in the Bible? Exactly None. Uh, sorry for you cat lovers. Sheep are the, uh, the most, uh, are there in the, in, the, in the most. And so the shepherds of the day, they didn't have these big, huge flocks or bands of, uh, of sheep like we would have comparably today. They would have very small, a very small flock. They would have maybe an individual shepherd might have 20, maybe up to 100 sheep that, that they would have under their care. And they would take these maybe 20, up to 100 at the most sheep, and they would put them at, uh, at night in what was called a sheepfold. A sheepfold was just a, a low wall uh, that would uh, kind of a square rectangle or whatever. And there would be one entrance into this kind of stone kind of structure if you were in a town. Uh, and, and there would be one way in, one way out. And the, uh, the, sh- the shepherd would, 
would kind of act as the door. He would kind of let the sheep in, and then he would kind of hang out at the door. He would be the one that would let them in, let them out uh, of this enclosure at night. If they were in a town, if they were coming, and they maybe lived there, or they were there for whatever reason, there might be several uh, groups of, uh, several shepherds that would bring their groups of sheep into a larger sheepfold, and so they would put them all in there together, and there would, there would be a gatekeeper that would basically act as the door. And so all these sheep would go in uh, for the night, the shepherds would go home, uh, enjoy their family, and then they'd come back uh, in the morning, and they would call, they would have a unique call, and all of their sheep would follow them out of the, out of the sheepfold. Now, if they were out in the, um, kind of in the, uh, you know, away from town, uh, there were places, pastures, where they would have, have uh, uh, sheep folds that were kind of more crude. They might be rocks that they've put that when uh, different shepherds would come into this area, they would use these, uh, these common kind of sheep folds. There might be uh, brushes and brambles and bushes and, uh, and thorns and whatever that they would put around. Again, uh, multiple sides, but then there was one gate, one door, and then at night the shepherd would sleep in front or hang out in front of that door. He was the one that would keep the thieves or robbers or uh, wild animals or whatever from coming and getting uh, the sheep. In preparation for this weekend, I did a little research on sheep. Um, And there was a a guy, actually, after he graduated from seminary, he went and he he lived among the shepherds uh, for a season after seminary uh, as he was getting ready to, to be a pastor. And, and so he was, was living in the, in the Middle East with these shepherds, and he said that they would, uh, oftentimes they would come to these common areas, maybe it was a, an oasis kind of place, a place where the pasture was good, the, where there was water that the sheep could, could, could come and enjoy. And so several, multiple shepherds would come, and there would be large groups of sheep that would come, and the shepherds would kind of hang out, and their sheep would do their thing and eat and, and be safe in this larger area. And he said that when they would leave, the shepherds had this unique call, this, this thing that they would do, that they, it was all unique. And they, when they would do that and they would leave, all of their sheep, they were all mingled together, but when the shepherd left and he gave his call, all of these sheep that were there, it was his, would follow him out. And then the other, another shepherd would leave and he'd give his call and, and his sheep, again, all mixed up, but when he left, his sheep would leave. And he said, at the end, when all the shepherds left, there were no sheep that were still hanging around. Every sheep knew the call, knew the voice of their individual shepherd. You go back at the beginning there and we see what Jesus is talking about. He talked about the, the gatekeeper that functioned as the door, kind of in that in-town kind of setting when the multiple shepherds would come and leave their sheep together into that, in that sheepfold. And there was this hired gatekeeper that would, that would keep them uh, safe. And he talks about that there would be some maybe that would be thieves and robbers and they would try to get over, the, they wouldn't go in through the door where the gatekeeper was, they would try to climb over the side. And basically just, again, so we understand all that Jesus is talking about, the fold, the sheep fold that he's talking about there at the beginning was, uh, was the Jewish people, was the Israelites, the children of Israel. 
And that was the, that cheap fold that he was saying. And the thieves and the robbers that had come in and tried, to, uh, tried to, to, to exploit the people and lead the people astray. Those were the scribes and the Pharisees and the false teachers and the leaders that, again, had tried to exploit the people. And that's what he's kind of talking about. So that's the metaphor. And so I just want you to get kind of the gist of all of that so we can understand what does Jesus want us to know about himself. What are the two I am statements? He says, I am the door. So hopefully now we understand a little bit when he says, I am the door, he's the, he's the place where the sheep would go in and out. He's, he's the access point into the sheepfold. And then he says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one that takes care of the sheep. Now, it's real important for us to understand, too. We don't want to miss this, and I'm sure that all of you get this, but uh, we need to understand as we talk this weekend who we are in the story. And who we are in the story is we're the sheep. So what does Jesus have to say about himself that we need to know as we understand this, this, uh, this picture that he paints for us? Look back at uh, verse 2, and let's kind of get those points, real important points. In verse 2 he says, But he who enters by the door is a sheep, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he's brought them out on his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Again, like I said before, the shepherds of their day, Jesus' day, and the shepherds of our day are very different. The shepherds of our day might use dogs and four-wheelers and horses to corral large numbers of sheep or bands, as they're called, of huge bands of sheep together. But again, in contrast, the shepherds that Jesus is talking about when he compares himself to the good shepherd, these would have been shepherds that had by maybe two, 20 or up to 100 sheep. And he would, and he, as he says, those shepherds would know the names of their sheep. They would know them. They would, uh, they would know each one. They would know each one, each one looked like, oh, there's Bob the sheep, and there's Larry the sheep. And you know, they, would, they would know the individual personalities of uh, this one's dumb, and this one's really dumb, and that one's super-duper dumb, because they're all basically dumb. Um, uh, and, and so they would, would, they would kind of get to know, because they just hung out. They, their whole life were these 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever it was, sheep. And after you hang out with them for a while, you get to know the individual personalities of these sheep. And what does he say? That he knows them by name. And so it's really important for us to know. Here's what Jesus wants to know, us to know about himself. He knows our name. Jesus knows his sheep by name. Look at verse 3. In verse 3, it says that he calls his own sheep by name. Now, that phrase in the Greek isn't a, a phrase where he talks about he calls his own sheep by name. He's not calling the whole herd of sheep. I don't know, yeah, maybe is that what a sheep group of sheep is called? I don't know. They're a pod of sheep. I don't know what whales are a pod. A, a group of sheep. Uh, so whatever, whatever it's called. So that group, he's not talking about, I know the group of sheep by name. He's like, uh, yesterday, Chris and I went to the... Uh, high school girls uh, soccer game and they were playing Loy Norix. They were playing, so the Lancers were playing the Knights of Loy Norix. 
and there was a coach, and the coaches are walking up and down the side of the uh, of the field, and they're 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 talking to the talking to the girls, and they're giving instructions to the girls. They're not just saying, "Hey, Lancers, those girls have individual names that the coaches have," and they're speaking to them. They they know the individual qualities and skills and and abilities, and and the ones that are good at this, the ones that are good at that. They don't. They're not talking in terms of the group. Jesus is not talking when he say, says, "I know them by." Name. He's not talking about the group, the bears or the lancers or the knights. He knows us by name. He's calling us as individuals to follow him. Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, verse 1 says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. It should be an encouragement to us. That's, that's what Jesus wants us to know, that, that he, he knows us by name, that he cares for us as individuals. And we think about the billions of people that are Christ followers around the world, that every single one as an individual matters to God. He knows us by name. Uh, Luke 12, verse 7, Jesus says that, that uh, God knows that even the hairs of our head, that they're numbered. Now, some of us, that's a bigger deal than others of us. Uh, Others, that's not that big a deal anymore, right? He knows the hairs on your head. He knows your name. In Isaiah, the 49th chapter, in the 14th verse, uh, it says this. uh, uh, He's kind of griping to God. He says, the Lord has forsaken me. He's kind of just talking to himself, my, my Lord has forgotten me. And then God replies into this bemoaning. And maybe that's this weekend, you're, you're there and, and you know, God's forsaken me and God doesn't care about me and God doesn't know me. And this is God's answer in Isaiah 49. And if that's where you are, I'd encourage you to go back and read this again. Because God says back into that. He says, can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Can you imagine a woman that, that, that has had a child and she's nursing that child? They would forget about that child. I cannot even begin to imagine that Crystal would ever have forgotten about Jacob or Caleb when she was nursing them. Ever. She was this overprotective you know, kind of mom. She never would have done that. But he says, he says maybe there was an example or a case somewhere where a mother might have forgotten a, a child she was nursing, but I will never forget you. That should be an encouragement. God goes on to say in verse 16, Behold, I have engraved, I have written you on the palms of my hands. Now, before a lot of us have iPhones and electronic kind of stuff, what did we do if we really needed to remember something? What did we do with it? We wrote it on our hand. If we had an appointment, if I had a, an assignment in school that I really, I got to turn this in uh, tomorrow, whatever, I would write a note on my hand. You write things on your hand. There is no way you're going to forget if it's on your hand. And God says, I have engraved, I have, and, and it's, which is even a little more than I've written, I've engraved your name on my hand. God cares. God has your name engraved on his hand. He knows us. He cares about us. 
And this world would want us to believe that God doesn't care, that God is this this aloof, far-off God that you can't personally know, uh, if he's even there kind of thing, this vibe that the world gives us. And Jesus says, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that I know you personally, and I know your name. Go back. What else does Jesus want us to know about himself? In verse 7, he says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly. And when we say that, when someone Jesus says truly, truly, what's he mean? Again, what do we say at the very beginning? He's like, really pay attention. Nudge the person next to you. This is really important. I'm about to say something really important. Uh, And so he says it again. Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. They weren't getting what he was saying. They weren't understanding totally. So he says again, I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Again, Jesus says, you need to get this. You need to understand this. This is what, these are important things that Jesus wants us to know about himself. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you need to get this. And he does this metaphor mixing craziness where he says, I'm the door. Because he'd just been talking about being a shepherd. And now he says, he switches back and he talks about his doorness again. Talked about I'm the good shepherd and now here I, he is back and I'm the door. And he says, as the door, as the gatekeeper... The sheep get into the fold through me. You can't sneak over the wall to get into the, my fold, into these, this group that are my sheep. You can't get in any other way. I'm the door. I'm the access point. And we need to get that. We need to understand that. And Jesus says, when you're in my fold, then, then I'm going to, as you're a part of me, I'm going to lead you out and we're going to find pasture as you follow me. Now, what's the pasture? Pasture, what's a, what's a, why is it, would a sheep want to go out into the pasture? Pasture is the place where you get fed. It's the place where you, where you can find, find water. You can, you can romp around. I mean, what sheep wants to stay all day in the little sheep fold, little pen thing? I mean, they want to get out where they can have some fun and romp around and do whatever sheep do, you know, whatever that is. And that's what Jesus said. Here's what I want you to know. And Jesus wants us to know that he nurtures his sheep, that he's the access point. He's the one that leads them out, and he leads them into the pastures so they can get what they they need. And we cannot talk about shepherds and Jesus being our good shepherd unless, I mean, we got to read Psalm 23. When it comes to our brain, that, that, that psalm that's the the most recognizable in all of Scripture, where it says this about, and we see this shepherd-sheep kind of thing all throughout Scripture, and Psalm 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what what does he do as the shepherd? He says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. So are you getting the image? This is Jesus, and we, we follow the good shepherd, and the good shepherd leads us what? What does the good shepherd do? He leads us into green pastures. So imagine Jesus leading you into this lush, green expanse. That's what he does. He nurtures us. He takes care of us. talks about that he, in that 23rd Psalm, that he leads us beside the quiet waters, the still waters. 
Sheep aren't, again, as I said, they aren't real smart, but they are smart enough to know that being a sheep and being around raging torrents of water or rivers is not good if you want to continue to be a sheep. And so they're afraid of, of, of water that's, that's, that's uh, rough or water, a roaring kind of river or a creek or whatever. They, they don't want to have anything to do with that. They like still quiet waters. And what does what's that passage say? He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. Those are things that a shepherd would have used to protect and to to help the sheep. They comfort me. Beautiful picture. As we think about this idea that Jesus nurtures his sheep. And again, as I said, throughout Scripture we see this this idea, this metaphor of of God or Jesus as as the shepherd. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, it says that he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs into his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So again, we have this idea. You see the tender way, as I read that passage, the way that that the shepherd is described as taking care of the sheep, as he gathers the young, as he gathers the lambs in his arms, the ones that can't keep up with everybody else. He doesn't want to lose one, so he just picks it up and carries it with him and carries it next to him. The one that's 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 with child the one that's pregnant he takes care he makes sure that it that it gets where they're all going he gently leads those that are with young as Isaiah 40 verse 11 says another interesting thing from this passage as we think about the way it talks about Jesus being our shepherd about him being the good shepherd is that uh now, they may do it today because, again, shepherding is different today, but you don't drive sheep. Now, if you've got dogs and four-wheelers and horses and stuff, you might be able to drive sheep, but sheep follow the shepherd. They get to know the voice of the shepherd. They follow the shepherd. The first century shepherds would have led their sheep. So they're out in front and they're leading by their voice. They're the ones that, uh, they're not driving their sheep. The sheep aren't determining where they're going. The shepherd is determining the, the direction. The shepherd knows the safest route. The shepherd knows where the good food is. The shepherd knows where the quiet or the still waters are. The shepherd knows as he reads the weather and knows the contour of the land. This is the direction we need to go. The shepherd doesn't follow the sheep. The shepherd leads the sheep. And that's what we see in this passage. Sheep follow. Ultimately, Jesus is the only one that can give us what we really need in this life. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. Because we have this enemy, this one that would want to destroy our lives. And some of us, as we sit here this weekend, there's been, we, we've kind of allowed, we've not been following the good shepherd, and we've kind of been doing our own thing. And, and like sheep, we kind of have a tendency to kind of wander away and kind of want to do our own thing and jump into the raging torrents that are all around us and try to swim and try to do whatever. But what does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd nurtures his sheep. And what does Jesus say? I came that they may have life and life more abundantly. Look at verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life, as the other metaphor, I am the good shepherd. The, uh, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And he flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Again, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and, that, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, and I will take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my, from my Father." So what's this reminder again? What does Jesus want us to know about himself? What does he want us to know as we think about him being the good shepherd, that he is the door? What, is it, what does that matter? What is it, what's, what's he want us to know? What he wants us to know is as the good shepherd, what does he say? He does. He lays down his life for the sheep. Then he gives a picture of the, the hired hand, the guy that he's just getting some money. Uh, and so he, he's the guy that, that might be the gatekeeper at night, the hired hand that watches the sheep while the shepherd might be doing something else. The hired hand, when he sees the guy's just lying in his pocket, he doesn't know the sheep. He doesn't really care about the sheep. They're not his sheep. And so when the wolf comes, when the, when the one that would want to scare the sheep, kill the sheep, eat the sheep, destroy the sheep comes, he's like, I'm out of here. No way. I didn't sign up for this. These aren't mine. I'm not going to sacrifice myself for these sheep. They mean nothing to me. And so he's out. But what does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In verse 14, he says, I know my own and my own know me. He's talking about us. Do you know the good shepherd? He knows you. He wants to know you. He wants you to get to know him better. When I was in, uh, when I was in college, Crystal and I were in college together, and Crystal has always been more talented than me in a variety of areas. In one of those areas, she loved drama, and so there was a production, a play at the school. And so I was in the audience, she was in the production, and she can sing and do all that kind of stuff. And so she's in the production, and she was backstage, and, and there, it was kind of a funny uh, uh, musical production kind of thing that they were doing. And I was out in the audience, and there was a funny part, and Crystal's backstage, so she's not out on stage, so she can't see anything. But she's backstage, and she says to the, to the, to the people that are standing there waiting to go on into the next act when she was going out, she says to all of them, do you hear that? That's David laughing. She, in, in the midst of hundreds of people, she knew me well enough to be able to pick out my particular laugh. She knows my voice. Jesus knows your voice. Do you know him? Do you know him that well? Do you strive to get to know him? So what does it say about, uh, about that relationship that we, that we know him? That we are his? And as his, what is he willing to do that he's willing to, because he, he knows us, he loves us, he cares about us, he's willing to lay his life down for us. Even when we were still in rebellion against him, he was willing to give his life for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, God shows his love for us in the, in the, in, for us 
in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what does Jesus want us to know? Jesus wants us to know that he's willing to give his life. Willing to lay down his life for his sheep. And who are the sheep? You're the sheep. We're the sheep. He's willing to lay his life down for you. And the reality is that he's willing to lay his life down for you when you are not even following him. When you're out hanging out with the goats. And you're off in the far country, kind of hanging out and trying to go it alone in the midst of all the wolves and everything. And you're trying to live life on your own, do your own thing. What, is it, what does that scripture say? God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still hanging out, when we're still hanging out with the goats and still doing our own thing, and we're still the black sheep, kind of that kind of era of our lives. And some of you, that's, that's your story this weekend. That's who you are, that you've wandered away and you're not in the fold and, and you're not following him. And he wants you to know again that he loves you. Jesus wants you to know that he's laid his life down for you. There's one final thing real quick that he wants us to know. If you go back to verse 16, look at what verse 16 says. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And you remember what I said at the very beginning, that the fold at the beginning of the passage that Jesus is talking about was the, was the Jewish people. That, that, that was the, the original kind of, when he starts, that's, that's what he's referring to, that, that he was the one, and thieves and robbers have come in and tried to deceive and, and do their thing and try to lead my people away, and there had been a lot of that going on, but he says, now I'm here, the Savior has come, and what does he say? I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must, I, br- I must Bring them also, that they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. And so here's the good news, unless you've got some Jewish roots, he's talking about us. That there are some sheep, he says, that are not of that fold, and that's us. And he says, I care about them as well. In fact, if you go and you look in the Greek, that, that, that word where he says, I must, I, I, I must bring them into the fold. That's a, that's a strong word. And so together, we make one fold. Jew, non-Jew, under the, under the direction of the Good Shepherd. Romans 10 verses 12 and 13 says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus, this is the last thing He wants us to know, Jesus welcomes all sheep. Every one of us is welcome. Every one of us. And that's, in fact, again, what does he say in verse 16? I must bring them also. That's, a, again, a strong word. He says, I, I must. It's, it's a necessity. I am compelled to bring you back. Jesus, this is some good news. Jesus welcomes black sheep back into the fold. Sheep that have been wandering around. So if you wandered away, have you not been following? Jesus has brought you here this weekend. He wants you to be reminded that he loves you, that he cares about you. That he welcomes all sheep. The Jesus I wish you knew is different from the, than the world's view. 
The Jesus I wish you knew uh, is different than the world who would say that, that Jesus is not the Savior, that would say that he's just a good teacher, that he, yeah, he's a prophet, that yeah, he's a messenger, that he's, that he's an enlightened guy, he's a self-help uh, expert, that he's those things. The Jesus I wish you knew is as Jesus, Jesus I wish you knew, is Jesus as your door. Jesus as your good shepherd. Your door. The, the, the point where you can have a relationship with God. He is the door. That's the Jesus I wish you knew. I wish you knew that he was the good shepherd. I wish you understood that personally. That, he, that he, you understood that he knows your name. That he nurtures and provides for you. That he lays his life down for you. That he welcomes you at every person. He, he doesn't desire that anyone be lost, but that all would find salvation, that all would come into his fold. The good shepherd came for you. He came for me. As our worship team comes up, as Stevensville campus gets ready to turn things over to Pastor Chris, I just want to invite you, if you've been wandering off and not following the good shepherd, I want to invite you to come back. He's left the 99 in search of the one he's been searching for you and he wants you to come back do you need the good shepherd do you need to come under his care his protection do you need to start following him again because you've wandered away this is your weekend you've been wandering and he's come in search of you as I pray I want to just invite you to Ask the good shepherd. Yes, yes, God, I, I want your son to be my good shepherd. I want to enter through the door. I want to I repent, turn away from that wandering kind of experience I've been going, doing, and I want to follow your son. Heavenly Father, God, right now, I thank you that you care, that you love us, that you know our name, that our, that our, that our names are written on your hand. All those things that we've talked about this weekend. That you want to nurture us. That, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, destroy. You've come. Your son has come that we might have life and life more abundantly. And so now, God, we just want to confess that in whatever way that we would want to just say to you now, we've not been following you like we need to. We've not been following your son, our good shepherd. And so we would say that we're sorry. We would ask for the forgiveness that we need and we would want to respond to your son as the door as the point where we can have a relationship with you and God as we pray as we talk to you God we want to say to you that we want your son to be our good shepherd we want your son to be our door that leads us to you thank you father for saving us thank you father for forgiving us thank you father for sending your son so that we might have life thank you father that Jesus laid down his life for us and God, we praise him. We thank you. And now, God, as we sing these final couple of songs and as we have a chance to connect with you, we pray that, I pray that you would just help us to be reminded of your son, our good shepherd, the door to our salvation. We love you, Father, and we pray it in Christ's name.